Welcome back to Boucher on the Couch, the podcast where comedy becomes clinical. Today, we're talking about the conclusion to Gabby and Rachel's dramatic journeys as our bachelorettes. So as always, that's Liv. That's Jenna. Take a seat on the couch. We made it. We made it to not just the end. We made it to the way end. The way, way end. The finale finale, as my notes say. (laughs) The finale finale. I just want to say that, you know how they always say the most dramatic finale yet? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I always get annoyed with that. But this time I thought about it and I don't know, something about this one. I was like, yeah, you're right. It is. (laughs) I kind of agree, but also like not even dramatic in good ways. It was dramatic in, I feel like the drama is just there to be drama. Mm. I found myself reeling through different emotions throughout the three hours, which was such a long night. Yeah, it was rough. I feel like my mouth was just like (laughs) open the whole time in shock. I had moments where I was very aggressively yelling at the TV. Yeah. And I had also moments where there were no words. Like I tried to yell at the TV, but just nothing came out. Just pure disappointment. Yes. Yes. I felt like, you know, certain individuals when they're watching sports games, how they're like yelling at the team. Mm. I've never resonated with that more than I did watching Tuesday night. Yeah. It's like Monday night football. Well, Monday night football took over the bachelorette <laughs> spot. So uh, we we had to take on the Monday night football ambiance, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what were some emotions that came up for you? I know you said you had many. Yeah, I think I experienced frustration. I experienced a lot of disappointment in a lot of different facets of the show, as well as individuals. I did experience happiness for Gabby. I do believe truly that she is the people's bachelorette in the way that she responds to like being so annoyed that she's in love. I think that is so funny. And personally, that's something I resonated with. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I guess I love him. I don't even like men. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Zero to 10. How distressed were you maybe watching this show and what was coming up for you? (sighs) Zero to 10. I feel like I was at a solid eight for most of it. So eight as in like high distress. High distress. Just a lot of the same emotions that you mentioned. So disappointment. I don't know, just being like my my body language was telling me that, you know, I was just like uncomfortable throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Uncomfortable with like a lot of the conversations and just... I don't know, just kind of like sickened. I know it's a harsh word. Sickened by how Bachelor Nation handled a lot of it and what they showed us viewers. I agree. Like sickened. I don't I I get that's a strong word, but I really mm. felt that in regards to how people are treating people. Yeah. Just I think we're better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we can dislike someone and still respond kind and caring. Yeah. I think we can be hurt and respond kindly and caringly. Yeah. I think we can support a female lead while not 
demoralizing someone who's already acknowledging mistakes. I just think if we as a society define people by their mistakes and only their mistakes, we are all really screwed. Well, you know, I think in Clayton's season, was it um, Mm -hmm. when he got all of that like backlash and, you know, those nasty DMs and everything like he he even said that it took a toll on his mental health because of all the hate messages he was getting you know, oh, you should die, you know, you're awful. And I think that's mostly a result of how Bachelor Nation (laughs) and, like, producers handled things. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand putting people after the fact, right? This is after the final rose. This is after the fact. We've already watched so much, honestly, destruction take place via the show and then we get to the after the fact and we're in after the final rose and they're talking and having producers and jesse contribute and or not intervene when noticing that a cast member of this show is being put in a position where like tino was attacked Mm. and you don't have to like tino or like you can like tino you can hate tino no person, regardless of mistakes that they're making, was that like, was that warranted? Was that it, it just felt icky? Yeah, that's the word. It's, it was like, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> I just think if we define people by their mistakes and refuse to allow them to recover or refuse to acknowledge them trying to make amends, mm. you know, it's not about liking the person again. You can dislike the person and leave them be. Mm-hmm. But I just think there's a lot of stunts pulled after the fact that felt unacceptable through the lens of, I don't know, a career that we care about people and we want people to be okay. And it's not about loving everyone. It's about caring for the well-being of people around us. Mm-hmm. And not driving them into a ditch. <laughs> right? <laughs> I kind of going off the last thing that we were talking about, um, there was one moment where Jesse said something like, wow, like, I don't even know what to say to this. So we're just going to like move on and not talk about it. And I think that is such a cop out. I think as a host, he should have said something like validating both of their feelings and not kind of dismissing what was going on. Because that that's the vibe that I got, that he just kind of wanted to be like, all right you know, we have to cut to commercial or we have to move on to this next thing. And like, I get it. It's TV. You can't be like five, a five hour episode. And he's also not a group or couple therapist. (laughs) No, (laughs) alas, he is not. (laughs) But it felt dismissive to me. And that really annoyed me. (laughs) I see what you're saying. I think I didn't notice it as that in the moment because he was very much just, this is TV. Okay, we got to move on to the next thing. But I don't know. I don't think it would have taken too much time to acknowledge, like, I can see that you're feeling this way. I can see that you're feeling this way. Acknowledging those things right. and right. then maybe moving on. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just, I don't know what to say, so we're moving on. Right, right. Yeah, I, you don't have to know what to say, but you can still acknowledge how this person is presenting and how they're feeling. Yeah. To some extent, is it Jesse's fault that he like he has no training he doesn't like what qualifies him to be in this host role in my opinion (laughs) in my opinion so at some point 
you almost can't even fault him for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is getting paid. I would like to be paid for that role, right. but right. And I think also he he's not a therapist. He maybe doesn't, you know, understand how to hold space or validate those feelings in a therapisty way. So I give him some of the benefit of the doubt, but it's also like, all right, maybe just like acknowledge. It doesn't have to be this huge deep validation. Yeah. I think to some extent we have to just assume he's doing the best he can with what he has mm-hmm. and just hope that's the case. Yes. I know we could talk about the episode itself and watching it for hours. There was a theme that came up for both of us that you wanted to kick us off with. Yes, the almighty projection. <laughs> we heard that word a lot yeah. in those three hours. I think Rachel used it, honestly. <laughs> Over like five times, I feel like a lot. It was a lot. What I thought I could do first is define what projection is, kind of give a history background on this defense mechanism that Freud, that emerged from Freud's, some of Freud's theories. And then we can like put it into context. So psychology today, our best friend. (laughs) Educating people. (laughs) Yes. Side note. If you want to find a therapist, go. you can also go on Psychology Today. <laughs> Psychology Today or the ADAA website. Is yes. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> projection is the process of displacing one's feelings onto a different person. For example, if someone continuously bullies and ridicules a peer about his insecurities, the bully might be projecting his own struggle with self-esteem onto the other person. So this concept emerged from Freud's work on defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he said that this unconscious discomfort can lead people to attribute these like unacceptable feelings to someone else to avoid actually confronting them projection allows that difficult trait to be addressed without the individual actually recognizing it in themselves Mm. so freud first reported projection in 1895 when one of his clients tried to avoid confronting her feelings of shame by imagining that her neighbors were gossiping about her instead so instead of actually acknowledging that she felt deep sense of shame she was saying her neighbors were gossiping about her so she didn't actually feel that feeling she was projecting it onto someone else projection is also used to protect against the fear of the unknown which is why it is called a defense mechanism so freud hypothesized that people project to defend their egos So projecting a threatening trait onto others may be a byproduct of the mechanism that defends the ego rather than a part of the defense itself. So trying to suppress this thought or feeling pushes it to the foreground and turns it into a filter through which one views the world. Some more examples of projection before getting into the context of the show. So he gives the example of a married man who is attracted to a female coworker, but rather than the man admitting this to himself, he might project and accuse her of flirting with him. 
Another example is a woman wrestling with the urge to steal. So she really wants to steal something who actually comes to believe that her neighbors are trying to break into her home. So it can show up in different ways. Mm -hmm. I think people tend to project because that thought or feeling is way too difficult for them to actually acknowledge and for them to acknowledge it makes them feel uncomfortable or Mm -hmm. feel distress or discomfort. So they project it onto the other person. So the other person might feel that distress or discomfort for them. Yeah. I think about, we've, we've talked about it a hundred times. We'll probably talk about it a hundred more times in future seasons, but feeling insecure and and vulnerable is uncomfortable. There's, Mm -hmm. that's not something that's like, I can't wait to feel super insecure today. And this projection is almost like, well, I don't have to see it. It's not me. It's you. It's this other person. It's, it allows them to take off that or feel like they're taking off that insecurity and putting it on someone else. What's well, not me. It's them. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of this, I think during the episode, but I don't think we saw it in the way that it was quote unquote labeled. Mm. How so? Well, I think it was labeled throughout the show Rachel claimed Tino was projecting his insecurities onto her when I think watching it back, it was the opposite way around. I think, did he make a mistake? Yes. No one's going to deny that. Like he definitely should not have kissed someone. He had a fiance. Not, not good. We don't like, (laughs) however, in the conversations that came to follow one that we saw previously recorded and one that we saw during the after the final rose, she kept claiming that he was projecting his actions onto her, that he did these because of her. When when you listen to the words that he was saying, he was taking accountability. He was apologizing. He was doing a lot of the like, quote unquote, like right things. Mm. And I think in her insecurity and in her feeling really hurt, she was unable to hear those things. Mm. And as a response was, was, harping in on this fact that he was projecting these things onto her when he repeatedly multiple times was trying to explain that he wasn't. And I think it's this idea of her maybe feeling insecure, her feeling hurt, her feeling, I'm going to use the word inferior. I don't know if that's really accurate, but feeling less than because of the hurt. Mm -hmm. And as a response, accusing him of doing these things, of being these things, of being unapologetic of being like her fear of him not taking accountability. So because she had that fear, she was saying over and over again, how he wasn't apologetic, how he wasn't taking accountability when I I feel it was demonstrated otherwise. Yeah. It's like, and I don't want to say she wasn't listening because I I think she was, Mm -hmm. but I think her hurt and frustration clouded her actually actively listening like hearing it like she was listening but maybe unable to hear it right and I get it she was hurt Mm -hmm. like he he done messed up he like she was hurt I I think that those emotions were clouding some of that interaction both times Mm pre-recorded and live yeah And it just goes back to, and I know we've talked about this in previous episodes, but understanding that humans make mistakes, you know, (laughs) as a society, as individuals, like we make a lot of mistakes. And I think he was able to say that he did and he was able to apologize. And I think she 
you know, I think in the moment she was heated. So mm-hmm. she was like, you know, I'm not hearing anything else. Like I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt. All we care about is my, <laughs> my feelings, which sounds mean, but <laughs> I think maybe if she took a step back and went into his shoes a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of uh, like saw it from his perspective that might have maybe even like helped her like diminish her own pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that taking a step back yeah. to objectively look at the situation right. as opposed to being maybe stuck in all of the hurt, all of the sadness, all of the frustration, mm-hmm. or all of those things that are valid to be there. Right. I think watching Tino, especially in the after the final rose, and I would say in the recorded part as well, watching that, I think we got to see him be, in my opinion, the most genuine we've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to watch. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of elevated feelings between both of them. And I think because of that, there was a lot of hurtful behaviors and including yeah. this projection piece. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying either one was in the right or either one was in the wrong. I just think there was a lot of elevated feelings <laughs> and actions that reflected as such. Mm-hmm. I know we kind of wanted to tie this into a term that we've talked about before, projection and gaslighting and how they're intertwined. Mm -hmm. Go for it, Jenna. Well, they are very related and they're both (laughs) definitely a type, can be used as types of emotional abuse. When you're perpetually taking your own insecurities and bashing the person in front of you with them, that's what projection is. You're, you are this, you are this. Um, So for example, if someone's feeling really insecure and not good enough than maybe telling their partner, like you're dumb, you're not enough. You're not doing enough, right? Taking these things, projecting onto that person, what kind of messaging does that send to that person? And when it's in a romantic relationship, we'll use that example for the sake of bachelor nation, that is an abusive tendency when used to try to diminish the other person. And I think it's really important to be mindful of it and acknowledging that the way we start to dismantle it means accepting and acknowledging our own insecurities, Mm -hmm. that we're all subject to insecurities and we're all subject to weaknesses because we're human. And that doesn't make you any less than. I think oftentimes we'll see individuals with personality disorders, specifically narcissistic personality disorder. They participate in a lot of projection and gaslighting because it's this inability and anxiety and panic around them having faults. Hmm. And that goes back to the whole like not being fearful of admitting, oh, you know what? This is what I what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. And I think that leads to a lot of all right, then you're you're the dumb one. (laughs) Yeah, you're the dumb one. (laughs) You're not doing enough. Yeah. You need to be better. I don't know. I just think watching all of the projection and all of the, in my opinion, struggling to respond kindly and caringly due to the heightened emotions. I think it was really challenging to watch. Hmm. A lot of deep breaths were taken. Yeah. And three hours, like, I was exhausted by the end of it. Yeah. Just an emotional roller coaster. (laughs) I've never been so exhausted watching a television program. And I think that almost brings us perfectly into the thing we wanted to close our season on. Taking care of mental health (laughs) amongst Bachelor Nation. (laughs) 
a big topic. <laughs> like, yeah, why don't we start with from, from the perspective of viewers? <laughs> what are things that we can do as viewers to take care of ourselves? Live, please. I need it. Well, when I'm watching, I'm always cozy. Like I, I'm always like either in like a face mask or, you know, I make myself some tea, so I'm feeling calm, cool, collected. <laughs> That's really smart. After I usually take a shower. Because I'm a night shower. And, you know, I try not to think about the drama too much. I like that. I even last night's episode, it ended and I was like, I think I need to shower off Mm -hmm. all of the things I just watched. Yeah. (laughs) For me, a thing that helps is being able to like debrief it with someone. I know that our conversations are always really, really wonderful. Having someone to talk to and be like, process. What did I just watch so that I don't have to have that like lingering? If it's jitteriness, if it's frustration, whatever is lingering, I can let it settle Mm. or in a sense, like get it off to then finish out my night and a lot of deep breaths. Yes. (laughs) What about uh, the cast's mental sanity? So this goes for like the leads, our bachelorettes who One of our bachelorettes, I think, is going to be facing a decent amount of at least Twitter controversy because of what I've seen so far, but as well as like contestants. So I'm going to like pick on Tino and Rachel for a little bit, because I think these are two individuals that are going to both receive a lot of love and both receive a lot of hate because we are broadcasted on this big platform. Yeah. I mean, our answer which I don't want to speak for you, Jenna, but is to have a therapist on call. This is basically what we've been trying to do. (laughs) Since we started. Yep. Um, But, you know, that's probably not realistic. Yeah. Hey, maybe I just want our goal is that one day we get to like we get flown out and maybe we're the facilitators for after. Yeah, Yeah. I'd love it. I'd love it. Like have a therapy tent. Oh, man. (laughs) Love to see it. Oh, I honestly think they need not even like group therapy, just like somewhere to vent mm-hmm. without viewers watching, you know, very like kind of like stream of consciousness type venting, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, not caring about what you're saying. I mean, in in the sense of like, you still have to care about like others, other people's feelings, but having a space where they can just kind of release And also, I think one of those rooms where you destroy things. Ooh, that could be a good date, right? We're sick of the therapy dates, but I would be down for a break a bunch Mm -hmm. of shit. Yep. What are your thoughts? I like a lot of the things that you mentioned. I think having, obviously having us on call, I mean, a therapist on call, but having a opportunity for the cast, having a place that it can be their own, where they can receive their unconditional positive regard and process what they need to process or work through what they need to work through as they're going through this very um, non-traditional format. And then that kind of makes me think of like recommendations just for the show in general, for the people, not only in the show, but like producers and stuff. I can't take credit for this. I want to give credit to the Batch Babes. They're an account on Twitter. They talk about the Bachelorette and they're really great, but they had put a thread of ways they think the Bachelor could be, they said could be saved, but I think it'd be really great if like way for them to be improved. Would it be okay if I read them? Yes. So the first one was listen to who the people want as bachelor and bachelorette. I liked that one. 
The second one was make the show about love again. Producers genuinely think we only want drama. I would love to see another Sean Lowe and Catherine or Jojo and Jordan come out of this. I really agree with that. Like we're, the drama is a thing, but we want to see people be happy. Right. Three, do better background checks. Stop casting men who are in a serious relationship a month ago. It's not too hard to figure out. <laughs> Four, honestly, consider a higher age requirement. No one under 25 can sit there with a straight face and say their main intention going on the show is to find a life partner, which as 25, I could see it. Like, it's not saying that people who are 25 or younger aren't ready for serious relationships, but they're probably not going on TV shows for it. I liked this one. Don't allow contestants to come on Paradise until they've been away from the show for a couple of years. People know that if they make an impression, they can literally be on Paradise six weeks later. Mm-hmm. Right? You make it less um, appealing for those just seeking clout. Right. Stop overusing the most dramatic episode seasoning <laughs> ever. <laughs> we all just roll our eyes and we'll continue to be let down or just emotionally distraught. Yeah. <laughs> Let's use some better language. <laughs> Pull out a thesaurus. let us get to know the leads and the contestants i would love to know more about everyone's quirks i want to see them have discussions about world issues and politics and money and raising families stop Mm -hmm. with the surface level shit i like that Mm -hmm. this one's a personal favorite end the demeaning dates the stripping dates the fight dates the therapy circle dates we hate them yeah there's no business for a group date to be therapy right no one's qualified except us (laughs) And then the last one they had was move away from the show ending with an engagement. What if people just walked away as boyfriend, girlfriend? Is that really so bad? Mm -hmm. I swear to God, so many more couples would last if that pressure was taken away. Mm -hmm. And I I agree. And then obviously the 10th one, which is from us, is hire us to be your on-call therapist. We'll do it off screen. We don't got to be on screen. We'll just hold space for the, these individuals as they navigate this crazy ride. We will zoom in. Although no, fly me in. I was about fly to say in. we we want to be in Europe. We want to be in Croatia. Like we'll be on. part of the crew. Yeah. So you know how like we don't see the producers? You won't see yep. us. We'll just we'll be <laughs> in the background doing our thing. That's how you get us to shut up our podcast. Exactly. Hire us. Yeah. Well, that I think brings us to the end of the season, the end of this episode. How are we feeling? Tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so appreciative for another season doing this with you. Yes. We Thanks. are taking a break for Paradise. Yes. We're not, we, uh, Paradise <laughs> would be way too much. But we will be back for yes. the bachelor. <laughs> for Zach's season, which Woo! we got a sneak peek at. But we can't go into that. We, we, just, we just can't. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow Bachelor on the Couch on Instagram and Facebook and Batch on the Couch on Twitter and TikTok. Or check us out at bachelorandthecouch.com and send us an email at bachelorandthecouch at gmail.com. That's that. Bye. (gasps) I miss you already.